listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tbcweb.com. Well, if I were to uh, mention a name, the name Solomon, I would guess that probably 99 point something percent of you would be familiar with it, even if you have no religious background. If you if you have no church upbringing, you know, Christian or Jewish or anything, you would recognize, because the name Solomon is pretty much universally recognized as being one of the people of great wisdom among the ancients. And it's true. It's true. If you know anything of Solomon's history, of the writings of Solomon, or of what happened in his life, you may remember that as a newly minted king of Israel, so this is when he's a young man and he's just become the king of Israel, God appears to him one night in a dream, which is, a, I would love to have something like this happen, a remarkable thing. And God appears to him in this dream and he says, ask me for whatever you want, which is like, whoa, that's like a genie in the bottle, right? How many wishes do I get here, God? You know, you, anything I want, he could have anything he wanted. God said, you ask me what you want. And Solomon, instead of asking for long life and riches and all the stuff that would come like that, instead humbled himself and said, what I really want, God, is I want you to help me to have wisdom to guide your people because I'm a young man, I'm a king, and I need to know. And so God's response to him was amazing because God said, because you ask for wisdom and not for long life and riches, I'm going to give you the whole shebang. I'm going to give you all of it. And if you know his history, you know, actually, that Solomon received great wisdom from God, and he lived a long life, and he had amazing amounts of wealth. In fact, it was overwhelming what he had in wealth, and he had all that stuff. But underneath all that, Solomon, of course, was human just like you and I and struggled with all the urges and desires and pulls towards things that can be destructive in our life. And you catch just small glimpses of it here and there, little things. Like, I'll give you an example of one of them. The the Israelites were monotheistic. Jewish faith is one God. They believe that there is one God, not multiple gods. They don't worship idols. They worship one God, Jehovah, the God, just as we worship one God as Christians. And yet there were some people who would, in these places they called the high places, burn incense or make offerings to idols, which was wrong. And, and they should not have been there. And I just want you to see this. This is because this, this speaks about Solomon. It says in 1 Kings 3, 3, Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father David, Except, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. Now, we don't know. Solomon may have been on the high places offering sacrifices and burning incense unto Jehovah God and not worshiping idols. In fact, I would assume that. And yet he never should have been there because the high places should not have been there. It was clear. The instructions had been clear. Remove the high places. But it's such a small thing. He loved God. It tells us that. It's, he, he showed his love for God by walking according to the instructions that were given him. Except, it's just a little word, just a little word. How big a deal could it be? Just a little thing. Except this one little thing. Of course, you know and I know that those little accepts in our lives can do great damage. Anybody with 
in agreement with me on that? Little accepts, little things. It's like I know who I want to be. I know who it is God's called me to be. And I want to follow him. I love Jesus, except, except you see this in people's lives all the time. I see this in reflection on my own, in my own life. You know, he loved God, except, except, well, I love Jesus, except, you know, I don't tithe, I don't give because, well, I might not have enough to get all the things that I think I need and I think I want. I love God, except, except, I'm not saying no to this thing, which I know is destructive in my relationship with my husband or my wife or, or with my children because I just don't want to let go of it, except, Except just a little thing here, just a little thing there, no big deal. It's not like you're shaking your hand, in the, your fist in the face of God. It's just a little except. The problem with the little accepts is, is that they grow, and they grow, and they grow because the further you let the exception go, the stronger it gets down on the inside of you. And, and as they were chronicling the life and the and really making accolades to Solomon in Scripture later in 1 Kings. They're talking about all the wealth he had and all the things that he'd done. And, of course, you know the history. We still quote some of the wisdom that God gave Solomon to this day. We quote these things. And yet they had to add this last little piece in. This is found in 1 Kings chapter 11, and it says this. It says, King Sol- can we put it up on the big screen so everybody can see it, please, guys? It says, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women. Now let me just stop there, all right? And let's just get the obvious out here. Solomon did have a thing for women. If you know anything about him, he had 300 wives and 700 concubines, which makes one question if he ever had any wisdom at all in his life. (laughs) Solomon, it says, however, just a small word, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, the, the wife that he'd had. He loved Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, Hittites, And as Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after, what does it say? Other gods. Other gods. His wife turned his his heart after other gods. And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. Just a little thing, just a little except, just a small little thing. However... But what it does is, is it leads you further and further away. See, here's how this works. And I think you know this. It's like you can know who you want to be. Now, we, I'm in part two of a little series called Recalibrate. And last weekend we talked, this guy, I had him up here. And, and the, the idea behind this is, this is who I want to be. Now, it has nothing to do with muscles. I, I call him super guy, right? He's just, he's just a guy. And he's going to look different for you than he looks for me. For me, this guy loves God and loves people. These are the two, and I talked about this last weekend. In fact, I would say if if you didn't hear last weekend's talk, you may want to listen to it because I talked about some things I think are really important, especially if you're part of TVC's church family. But for me, it's love God and love... This is who, that guy there, that is who I want to be. And here's the problem is, I know who I want to be, I'm clear on that, except, except I don't want to... You name it, whatever it is. And so it takes me a little bit off the path. And what happens is, is the longer I stay off the path, the longer that exception is allowed to take root in my life, the further I get away, and the further I get away, and the further I get away, until I am 
so distant that I can come to the place where I have, I don't think this is going to happen with me, but 300 wives, 700 concubines, and I am no longer fully devoted to the Lord. I'm no longer really in love with God. I have lost sight of who I am called to be because of a small except early on that I did not deal with. Now, you know this is true, that the big damages in your life always started as small exceptions. Come on, you know what I'm talking about, right? There's just some small thing that I ignored. And what I've contended in this series, and this is just a two-part thing, this is the end of it this weekend, is that if we don't, on a regular basis, this is my push on you, on myself, if we don't take regular times of reflection where we stop and ask really some simple questions. These are the questions I talked about. Who do I want to be? Okay, some of us would even say, I don't know who Super Guy is for me. Some of you might even say, I'm not even sure who it is I want to be. Who do you think you should be? At a higher level, who do you want to be? I think sometimes we don't even stop and ask the question, who is this guy? Who is this gal that I want to be? And so the first question is, who do I want to be? And the second question then is, who am I now? In other words, where am I at now on the path to becoming who I want to be? Because this is where you catch the exceptions. This is where when you look at your life and go, okay, this is who I want to be, but but if I'm honest, this thing is happening in my life right now. And then you have to ask the Third question, which is, how do I fix the gap? How do I deal with that? How do I address that thing? And this is my contention, that if you don't do that, what happens is the exceptions get more and more and more and more, and they get bigger until you sometimes hit a place in your life that's like a wall, and then you say, how did I get here? And I can tell you, I know that sounds arrogant, but I can tell you, it started small. It never starts big. It's like you talk to people who struggled with drug addiction and have gotten some victory. They will tell you the first time, the first time I said to myself, I just want to try it. I know it's not healthy. I know it's not good for me, except I'll just try it once. And then unreflected upon, unobserved, undealt with, once turns into twice and three times until it becomes an addiction that can bring destruction and devastation to a person's life. Now, what I want to do this weekend is I want to step a little deeper into this because I think sometimes people will come and they'll, they'll say, you know, I do, I've, I've tried that. I did the reflection thing. I, I know who it is I want to be, and I know what I want to go, where I want to go, but it's like, okay, I've, I've tried to deal with these things, but I keep, I keep getting off the path. I just keep falling off the path, and it's like, what? And I understand that. It's, it's, it's like when you're driving your car. Some of you will... Uh, resonate with this. You know, you're driving your car and it's pulling to the left. And it's driving you nuts and you finally go, oh, I got to get this to a mechanic or whatever. And then you go, okay, my tires are practically bald. I'll bet you money it's the tires. And so you put all new tires on it because you need new tires anyhow. And that should resolve the problem. And you get in it after having spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars on new tires and you drive out and you get up to 40 miles an hour and you feel it pulling you into oncoming traffic. It's like it's still pulling you to the left. Yeah, it's so... Anybody ever had that happen to you? And you just want to scream because you just spent a lot of money and you're like, and it didn't fix the problem. Sometimes the issue is deeper. Sometimes the trouble goes beyond just what seems very obvious to something deeper. And one of the primary things that I think we struggle with when it comes to staying on the path to becoming who it is that I know I am called to be and want to be is what I would describe as values, those things that you value. Now listen, 
not what you say you value, but what you truly value at a gut level, at a core level, down on the inside. And there's often a huge difference between those things. Sometimes we look at, you know, we go, that's who I want to be. This is who I want to be. But the truth is, it's at odds with the things, some of the things that I value deeply in my life. At a cerebral level, I want this. But at a gut level, I want something else. And I have values that run in opposition to what I say that I want to be who I want to be. And I hope you can hear this because this is really true. I wrote it out this way. You're drawn to and become deeply attached to what you value internally. Don't tell me what you value. Don't, don't bother telling me, well, I value. Don't, don't, because whatever you say, that is often, often in direct opposition, but often just not even close do what you really value down on the inside. Because what you value internally is what you're going to put your resources in, what you're going to put your time in, your efforts, your energy, all of that. If you would have asked my dad when he was uh, uh, a, a younger father, my dad's been passed away many years ago, but if you would have asked him when I was like, you know, eight years old, seven years old, ten years old, whatever, if you would have said, do you value your sons? My dad, I think, would have without question, said, of course I do, yes. And I think that he did in many ways. But you know what I thought as a kid growing up? And I thought this for years. I thought this through practically into adulthood. I thought that my dad valued his black Ford pickup trucks more than he valued his sons. And I'm pretty sure that I exaggerated that. I'm pretty sure that it was just a feeling of a, a son who felt a little rejected by his dad. But I think there was enough truth in there because of how he acted. Because the truck seemed vitally important to him. Now, I know that he loved me, and I'm not you know, trying to work out my issues of my dad in front of you all. I'm just telling you that you can say you value one thing, but actually what you really value can often belie that which you say you value. And this is true. This is actually true for all of us. See, when, when values, values that I say I have and the values that I experience internally, when they conflict, something's going to win. For example, I can say, I value honesty, and I do, until being honest might cost me something that I value more, like my reputation or my wealth or whatever it is. I value this, I say, until it comes up against another value that I hold down inside that may be some kind of a thing that's a little bit dark. It, it, it doesn't matter what you say. And this value alignment problem is something that we all struggle with. And if we want to get on the right path and stay there, we have to take honest, hard look. We have to stop and say, okay, who is it I want to be again? All right, yeah, yeah. Now, where am I at? And what am I really, truly valuing? Because I think sometimes we're actually blind to it. And I know some of you are like, well, if I'm blind to it, well, then how will I know what I'm truly valuing? This is the easiest answer I'm going to give you in this whole talk, all right? This is the simplest thing. I can tell you how to know what you value internally at a core level. All you have to do is look at, honestly, what you're doing. Not what you say. I value my, you know, you can say, I value my children. Okay, great. But are you doing that? Because what you value is what you're doing. So you can say, I value my, my kids are vitally important to me. But if you never seem to have time for them, if you're always pawning them off on your husband or on your wife, if you're, if you're never able to be a part of their events, if you find yourself often saying, I'm so sorry, next time I'm going to do that, next time I'm going to do that, next time, you can say you value them, but what you really value is what you're putting your time and energy and resources in. 
I can tell you exactly what you value, what you give yourself to. This is, you have to understand that you give yourself to the things that you truly, truly value. See, all of us have, this is just my own description of this, all right, but I think all of us have basically three kinds of values. Two of them are shadow values. You have positive shadow values, you have negative shadow values, and then you have what I would describe as stated values. Now, shadow values are those things which you don't talk about, but they're there. Let's just talk about them for a minute, and we'll, we'll kind of get a feel for this. So Jesus said it this way, you know, if you want to know how you do it, each tree is recognized by its own fruit. You can tell what your values are by just looking at your own life. So let's take a look. First, you've got negative shadow values. What are negative shadow values? They're things you never talk about, but you value them. So like many of us struggle with this value. We value the good feeling we get when we gorge ourselves with desserts. Yeah, I I, I didn't think anybody was going to say amen on that. We value the feeling we get when we gorge ourselves on desserts or some food that you love. Now, you don't go around going, I just love the feeling I get when I'm a glutton. It's just amazing. You You don't say that. But it is a value because you keep doing that. You get pulled into it. And we do this with all kinds of things. We do this with sexuality. So often the sexual indulgences that we know may be damaging to us personally or to our marriage or to my relationship with whomever. But I still find myself falling into these sexual indulgences. And you say, well, I don't value that. That's not something I don't want that. I don't want that. It doesn't matter what you say. It matters what you, let's try it again. It matters what you, what you do. And so I say, no, it doesn't. Those, that's not a value to me. Yes, actually it is. It's an absolute value to you because that's what you give you. And negative shadow values, it can come, it can be laziness. It can be, it, it, you never, you don't talk about it. It can be being, being a cynical, you know, sarcastic person. There's so many different things. We value, don't, you don't have to say what, whether you do or don't value. It's just what you do. It's a shadow value. It's a reality. It's there. But it's not something you pronounce. And then we often have positive shadow values too. Some of you, you're just, you're just nice people. Now, some of you aren't, but a lot of you, you're nice. You're just, you're just nice. When you're out in public, you open the door for people. You stop. You're friendly. You, you affirm people. I mean, you see a Walmart greeter, and your heart kind of goes like, I, you know, that must be a hard job. And so you go out of your way. Just say, you know, appreciate that you do that, that you're so friendly. You see, whatever, you know. And, and, and that, that it's, it's not, you don't walk around going, I'm friendly. <laughs> you know, you, if you do that, you're off your medication probably, all right? What you do is you just do it. And there are all kinds of positive shadow values that we have. But it's not spoken, it's just there. And then lastly, we have what I described as stated values. Now, these are the values that you say you have. So it's like, well, when I look at who I want to be, it's God first and family second. You heard somebody say this somewhere, you know, so whatever. And then it's this thing third, and that thing fourth, and then down here is my job, and you, you got it all figured out. Those are your stated values. The trouble is, the vast majority of the time, your negative shadow values are in opposition to your stated values. And unless you take time to stop and kind of quietly ask yourself, okay, now, I say this is what I want to be, 
And maybe instead of saying they're my values, maybe even I say they're my desires, because if I value them, I'm going to be doing them. But, but you understand what I mean when I say stated values. This is who I want to be, but what am I doing? Because that will define for me what my values are when I actually look at it, when I, and, and, and see what happens. This is the beauty of this thing. It's so powerful, is that when I actually stop and take time to do this, it brings something that so many of us are missing. Self-awareness. I'm just, I'm amazed sometimes at how self-unaware we can be. We can go through life, and it's because we're not stopping to ask the question, who is it I want to be? Where am I? What am I doing right now? What am am I valuing? Not based on what I want to value, but on what I'm actually doing. Because that's what I'm, self-awareness is so powerful. I love a quote I saw recently. I, I thought this was I, I'm, I'm skipping stuff, so I'll get there. Okay, self-awareness doesn't stop you from making mistakes. It just allows you to learn from them. It's a great quote. Stopping and going, okay, who is it I want to be and what am I really doing now? It doesn't, it doesn't make you perfect. It doesn't mean that the car still won't pull to the left sometimes. You're going to have to deal with this. But it helps you become aware and learn from those things. And this is so huge. Somewhere along the line, Solomon, he just kind of became self-unaware because his exceptions, his little exceptions, just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger until the point where he's, he's, he's just lost by them. You think about this. If this can happen to a guy who's like one of the wisest people in the world, think it can happen to me and you? Oh my gosh, it can. It actually takes work and energy to become self-aware, to realize how far off base you can be. I love a quote I saw by Thomas Sowell. It says, it takes considerable knowledge just to realize the extent of your own ignorance. I thought that was great. Isn't that good? I mean, you, you, you got to work and learn just to realize how stupid you really are. And every one of you probably had experiences like that, where you hit a wall, you get into some situation, and you stop, and you go, What's, how did I get here? What's going on in me? And you take an honest eval. You do an honest assessment of where you're at, and you go, how stupid can I be? The only way you got there was that you had to stop and do some reflection. So I'm going to just do a little time out here, Okay. Do you do that? Do, do you do that? I mean, and it maybe annoys you that I'm even asking this question, like, who do you think you are? And I get that, but just try to think about this. Do you do honest reflection? And evaluate not just what you hope to be, but who you presently are by action. And then based on that, do you endeavor to adjust to the gap and say, okay, I need, this is what I need to do? Because the bottom line is, the, the, the truth is, I mean, honestly, whatever you feed, that's what's going to grow. If you feed these internal values that are shatter, negative shadow values, that's what's going to grow, and it'll just grow stronger and stronger and stronger. You're further off the path and further off the path from who it is that you want to be. Do you take time? Do you stop? Do you ask these questions? They're, they're, they're huge. They're huge. Or are you just trying to get through the week? I mean, I think sometimes we're reduced by our own behaviors to, I just, I'm just trying to get through today. If I can just get through today, that'll be fine. 
Well, okay. But is that going to be the same way tomorrow and the next day? Are you just hopeful that things will change? It takes a considerable amount of knowledge just to realize how ignorant you are. You have to do some assessment. Now, now, I want to turn a corner because I said this last week. I'm going to do it again. Just as this is true in individuals that we need to assess, to reflect and assess where we're at and what we're doing, we need to do this with our families, the family dynamic, emotion. The, we need to do this in the workplace. If you own your own business, it's a regular thing you should do. Say, so what is the culture? What is the feeling here? What's going on? This is true for churches. And I kind of want to turn, and I understand some of you are saying, I'm not even sure I believe in God. I'm, you know, I, I understand some of what you're saying, but I don't know if I'm into the God thing. And I get that. But for the next little bit, I want to just talk to people who are part of this church family. And so maybe you'll just see us trying to be honest about who we are. Because here's the truth. Churches are like individuals. Individuals have to stop and assess. They have to reflect. They have to truly say, what are we doing? And churches should do the same thing. They, they really should. And I, I talked about this some last week, and I'm, and I'm unapologetic about this because the truth is just as individuals have shadow values, so do churches. They really do. TVC has lots of shadow values. I don't know if you know this, if you're part of this church family. We have lots of shadow values. We have positive shadow values. We do. Things that you're not going to go on our website and find us having written up our shadow values. You know, it, those become then your state of value. Our shadow values, I mean, some good ones. We like, we like to laugh. We like to laugh at ourselves. We like to make fun of ourselves and tease each other. And you're not going to see that written on the web page, you know, all about us. We like to criticize ourselves and make fun of ourselves. And the pastor is crass sometimes and shocking and all that. You know, we, we don't write that on the web page. It's just there. It just happens. I don't even know how sometimes. But it does. We have lots of good, positive, I think, I think there's a, a sweet spirit in our church that I love among people as they love each other. We don't talk about it, you know, as a stated value. It's just, you just see it happening. But if we're brutally honest, I have to say that we have some negative shadow values as well. And I thought, how far do I go with this? I really did. And I thought, I'm only talking about one. That's all I can stomach for a weekend, all right? It's just talking about one. But I'll tell you what I think is a negative shadow value at TVC. The supremacy of personal comfort or comfort. It is a shadow value. We Now, this is something we all wrestle with as individuals, as human beings, and particularly in the culture we live in. We adore comfort. We want to be comfortable. And we live in a culture that tells us you deserve to be comfortable, and if you're not comfortable, you get your little self out there and you find where you feel comfortable because comfortable is where we're going to gravitate to. The only problem is, is that if our mission, and I talked about this last week, again, if you weren't here, you might want to listen to it, but the mission at TVC is that we're not, it's not about us being big or being cool or being any of that. TVC's mission is four words. Would you read it out loud with me? Connecting people with God. This is the bottom line. This is this guy for TVC. This is who we want to be. We want to help people make a connection with God. Now, I'm talking to church family here, and this is what I'm saying. If that is true, if that is who I want to be, the shadow value of comfort has to acknowledge that this is more important often than my personal comfort. I had a conversation with a gal. This is years ago now. Um, 
She's a wonderful woman. She's like my mom's age. She's passed away. They went to our church, uh, she and her husband, and then after he passed away, she continued for, for many years. And I was in conversation with her one time, and she just looked at me. I don't even know how it came up. And she said, you know, she said, I don't like the music at TVC. Well, that was the first time I'd ever heard that. <laughs> not, not really. Um, I said, you don't. She said, no, I, I really don't. She looked at me. She said, you know, I, I, I've been in church all my life. She said, I love the old hymns and I love organ music. She said, I just love that. I said, you know, I just, I just said, I know. I understand that. But then she looked at me and she said, but Jeff, if it helps people connect with God, and clearly it does, then I like it. I remember hearing her say it and just going, whoa. This is a woman who is self-aware enough to understand that her personal shadow value of comfort at times will have to be subjected to a higher value of what is right. And what she was saying was it would be very, and it would have been very easy for her to go back then and even to this day to a church where she could hear, hear the kind of music that makes her feel all warm and gooey on the inside, but she was about the higher value of seeing people connected with God. And I've never forgotten my conversation with her because she was self-aware enough to understand this is who I, this is what I feel and this is what I want to respond on, but this is something higher and I will feed this rather than this thing on the inside of me. And you actually can change your values. And at TVC, I have to say, if I were to be brutally honest, that her perspective was fairly uncommon. And some of you are like, are you beating up on us? I am not, because I'm in the same place. I love to be comfortable. Come on, I love to be comfortable. When I go to church, I visit churches when I'm on my study break, and when I go to those churches, I always walk away, and one of the first evals that I do is, how comfortable did I feel? Was the temperature right? Oh, Lord, let's start talking about temperature, all right? We could turn this into a church brawl right now. It's too hot. It's too cold. Why do you have to have blah, blah, all this stuff? Was it, I, I'm like, does it feel good this way? Does it feel good that way? Is it comfortable to me? There's something in us that pulls us towards comfort. And when we aren't careful to check that negative shadow value, what happens is, is we subject the higher calling of connecting people with God to the immediate feeling of I want to be comfortable. And I see this happen in people's lives all the time. And I wrestle with it too. I want the best seat. I want the most comfortable. I'll tell you what a primo seat for me in church is. Back row with nobody near me. That's just for me. That's just what it is. And, you know, some people say, well, I like to see a church really full. Most people don't. They like a little space. Come on. You're sitting next to somebody that's oozing over onto you, and you don't know them? That's just creepy. Come on. You all know what I'm talking about? Some of you are like, I sure do. I mean, you're right now being creeped out by somebody, and it's, it's pushing on your comfort zone, baby. You don't like that. And maybe the coffee isn't the flavor that you thought they should have. And, well, I've been to places where they have, and then you have all these things and all this stuff. And I'm not saying it's wrong that we have those feelings. What I'm saying is, is that what you feed is what grows, and what you starve is what dies. 
And maybe we need to be careful and remember that the real high calling of our church is not that we come and all feel good and walk away going, I just felt so good. But that we help people connect with God. Oh, this is good preaching and nobody appreciates it right now. It's just, a, it's just shameful, really. I feel bad. I just want to challenge your thinking on that. Now, we have stated values. Actually, they're tied to what we call our spiritual growth statement, which is real simple. Everything at TVC is real simple. This says, we believe every person's spiritual life will go stronger as they attend weekend services. In other words, go to church, be a part of a church family, not just TVC. I'm not talking about just they have to do this church, all right? Lots of great churches. But as they, they attend weekend services, they serve God as a way of life. In other words, they're serving others, and they connect in a group. They're connected with other Christ followers. These three things that, that it describes, it breaks it down being a part of a church family, serving, and connecting. These are our stated or our desired values. So where someone may say, you know, my, my values are honesty, and this, the stated values that maybe sometimes your shadow values fight against, these are our stated values. We believe, and let me just talk about these real quickly. First of all, we believe that church is absolutely critical, being a part of a church. And this is never popular when I talk about it, but I'm just going to say it to you. I'm not saying it's this church. I'm just saying you need to be a part of a church family. And you need to go with regularity for a couple reasons. Number one, you need the challenge. You need the provocation. It's not enough to occasionally see a Facebook quote with a verse in it. Okay, it's just not the same thing. It is not. There's something about gathering together as a church family, and I don't know what it is. I really cannot even give clear definition, but there's something mystical that takes place when the family gathers together and they worship together and they acknowledge the presence of God and the love of God. There's an affirmation that comes, not because you're all talking to each other and sharing your deepest secrets. There's a place for that, and that's on this list, but, but that happens not on a weekend service, but in a weekend service there is a dynamic that takes place which is so powerful that if you get away from it, and it happens, I see this happen all the time because people, you know, they, 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 well, I, I, I don't like that. I'm not comfortable with this or I'm not comfortable with that. And they get a little further and they get a little further away until eventually, and I see this happen. And actually, I gave a, um, uh, this, is, this is some time back, actually, I gave like a, uh, an equation, and it goes like this, you minus church over time. I'm not saying you miss a weekend here or there because you have to. For things, but you minus church over time almost always leads to distance from God. Now, you get mad at me and just say, you, you, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. Fine, go to another church. It's, I'm not saying this because I'm trying to get you to come to this church. I'm saying this because I believe with all my heart that this is actually a true equation, that you minus church over time begins to equal this thing where you're just distanced from God. And I've, I've talked about this before. This is such an incredibly important thing. And so, so first, first comes this value of you need to be a part of a church family. And then next comes this idea that you were, that you should be serving. We, we talk about serving. I can say it no different than this. This is, I just wrote this down. You were made to serve more than yourself. No one ever has to challenge you to serve yourself. You do that without trying. You, you know, mm, I'm hungry. You know, you don't say, you know, well, I'm not going to serve myself. You just go eat. You know, you just do it. You serve yourself. But you were made to do more than that. You were actually made to serve others. And this is not just my philosophy of life. This is not just a popular thing. A actually, in our culture, 
The push these days is you serve yourself. You take care of you. It's all about you, you, you. It's always all about you. But it's not true. You were made to serve more than yourself. And this is straight from Scripture. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus. Look, that means Christians believe that we have a creator God and we worship him. He is our creator. And we're created in Christ Jesus to do, would you say it out loud? which God prepared in advance for us to do. It's saying that you were made to serve. You were made to serve. And we can't fix the world. We can't. But we can do something. Are you doing something? See, because the comfort shadow value will fight against that. It's just like, oh, I'm so busy. I got so many things. I just don't have time to do these things. You know, like, like there's so many simple little things you can do, so many profound little things you can do. We're doing this thing, which I I love right now, uh, this week, uh, we joined with other churches in Barry County serving through a, an organization called Family Promise. Where we will, as our, our campus here in Hastings, will house people who are homeless in Barry County for this coming week. And there's a bunch of people that are going to serve, people that will stay the night, people that will bring in food, people that will just love people who are in a very difficult economic place in their lives. And you can't fix the world, but you can do something. You can serve in the days of caring. This is where we join with Barry County United Way. There's so many different ways you can serve. The question is, are, and this is, this is all I want you to think about. Are you serving more than yourself? And how are you doing it? So you have church and serving and then our last stated value. And, and can I just say, these are not everything. If you just do this, you'll have the greatest spiritual <clears throat> excuse me, life in the world. It doesn't work that way. There's tons of things. These are just foundational stones. This is the, just the bottom of the, the, the building, really. But the last one is connecting. And I mean connecting with other followers of Christ in, and it's the idea of connecting in a, in, a, in a small group with other believers. And there's something here. I don't know how to say this. When we come to church on the weekend, you see how this works. We sit in rows. And we're pretty much facing in one direction. We sit in rows. And in rows, you learn. But when you meet with a group, small group, we call them life groups at TVC. Call them what you want. When you meet in a group, you meet in circles. You learn in rows. You grow in circles. I actually think there's no place you spiritually grow more because in circles, you get to give your thoughts and opinions. Could you imagine if I opened this up and said, well, let's just all give our opinion right now on stuff. It would be um, horrible. But in a circle, there's opportunity for people to give their thoughts and challenges and questions, and there's amazing growth that can take place when we're connected. But... It's not just me saying this. This is, this is scripture. Look at, the, look at this scripture, Hebrews chapter 10. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Now, in our culture, just stop right there. In our culture, it would read this way. Let us consider how we may spur ourselves on towards love and good deeds. It's all about me, all about what I can do. But notice what scripture says. It doesn't say others. It says, let us consider how we may spur what? One another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing because it's uncomfortable we're not the only church that struggles with a shadow value, a negative shadow value of comfort. They stop meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Look, what I would say to you is, there's such power in connecting with others in small groups. We're, we're starting a new season of small groups at TVC very quickly. In fact, in the handout you were given on the way in, there's a thing that you can just feel, we'll contact you and help you find a group that will make you as comfortable as we possibly can. But you have to go through the discomfort of saying, okay, I will do this. I will take a step out. I will be a part of a group. But you will not regret it because in groups there is healing. 
I heard a guy talking about a fascinating review that he read of a man, an author, who's a social psychologist named James Pennebaker. And he wrote this book called Opening Up. And he'd done, what he'd done in this book is he'd done a massive, prior to writing this book, he'd done a massive national research project. I mean, like massive, where he was trying to find out, he was trying to understand the effect of trauma on the adult long-term health and why some people seem to recover from trauma and other people seem to never recover from trauma. Now, when he went into it, his hypothesis was that it's probably because of the type of trauma that they experience. So, like, maybe it has a social stigma attached to it. So his assumption was, like, somebody who suffered from rape would be far less likely to recover than someone who suffered from a different type of trauma, something that has social stigma, like your mate, your husband or wife committed suicide, and there's that stigma that goes with that. And that was his hypothesis going in. He thought that's what he'd find. Turns out, he realized, as he put the research and the data together, that he was completely wrong. This is so fascinating. He says the nature of trauma, the nature of it, in other words, what it was, whether it had stigma socially, societally or not, he said that was next to irrelevant. All that really mattered was whether or not someone on the other side of trauma was in loving relationship. Like if they had close family, had community, had a support group, a small group. He said, this is what he found, virtually every single person came back healthier than ever before on the other side of whatever the trauma was no matter what the form was, if they had those connections on the other side. Now, that's fascinating to think about. It's not the trauma. You say, well, you haven't been through what I've been through. What his research, and I understand research is not everything, but it is interesting how it validates what God says because we all say, I can do it my way. I got this. I, I can do this alone. And God says, no, 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 no. I made you to be connected with others. And you find healing there. It's fascinating that research validates what God says, and that is, is that healing is found in the connection between Christ followers that runs deeper than, hey, how you doing on a Sunday morning? All right, I'm done. Let's stand to our feet. Bottom line, you know this, bottom line, you have, whether it's an individual or whether it's a church, we have to make sure that we are clear on who we're called to be and honest about how we're really living. So Lord, now in this place, help us to take the one thing that you spoke to us today, one thing that really kind of stuck down inside, and respond to that. And we trust you for help with that. And we love you in Jesus' name. Let's say together, amen, amen. Have a wonderful day. We'll have people in front who'd love to pray with you if you have a prayer need. Thank you for listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. If you found this message encouraging, we invite you to share it. For more information, visit tvcweb.com.